What's going on, friends? It is Supernatural Saturday, and I'm back. Honey, am I hallucinating, or does my skin look yellow? <laughs> on Periscope, it looks pretty yellow. Hey, from Nevada. Huh? Oh, you know what? Yeah, turn that light off. This just hit pull the chain on it. I'm like, how do I turn the light off? Just pull the chain on it. Let me see if it. Yeah. That's better. Yeah. Yeah. Pesky incandescent light bulbs. We like them, but they give you a strange color. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Sharing us out on uh, Facebook, so sit tight for a second. And all right, share it out on Facebook. All right, what is up? I'm back on Twitter after a little hiatus on my main account. Uh, good morning, Pepper. I see you on Facebook, and I'm sure you're on Periscope too. From Sno uh, snowy Minnesota. Hey from Missouri, what's going on? Hope everyone is having an awesome day today. I'm having a groovy day. I had my coffee. You moved your desk. I moved the desk back so that we're not the books and all the, oh, you know, okay. trying to get Close it framed a little bit better, yeah. Been up since the wee hours this morning. Had an interesting dream, which I can't talk about publicly. Uh, I did talk about it with Denise. God is leading us in some good directions. Hey, Paul Gonzalez, what's up, buddy? And Carla and Kim. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what's going on in California is kind of sad. But Jill is on here, I saw. She's on Periscope and she's on Facebook. She's pulling double duty. Oh, Ginny is on too. She's on Facebook. I see her. All right. So, uh, in case you're wondering why I've called you here, <laughs> you might be wondering. Uh, I am here to talk about hearing God's voice. Um. The dream was a warning dream, I'll tell you that. It was a warning dream about something that could potentially happen to me and my business in the future. And it was God giving me a little heads up to uh, make sure that all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed and all that stuff. That's kind of pretty typical for the type of warning dreams God gives me. Um, <clears throat> and I'm not gonna say a lot more than that. What's up, Lisa Sellers? Grasshopper, glad to see you on here. Uh, Peter is on and Lila is on. Hey, Lila, what's going on? All right. So this, hang on, let me, don't want to get out of myself. All right. We are going through the book, Hearing God's Voice Made Simple. It was my, I don't know, fifth or sixth book that I published. And... It is all about learning to hear God's voice or hearing God's voice better. And 
This chapter, chapter three, we're going to cover today is myths and misconceptions about hearing God's voice. And there are a lot of them, and I'm going to plow through some of them. And if, uh, you know, if people have questions, that's cool. Uh, I'll be happy to entertain questions. Uh, but there are a couple of things I want to go through. Um, and the, the one of the big misconceptions that people have, uh, myth, is that God does not speak directly to man. Uh, now, some people who are agnostics and atheists, they one of the reasons they don't believe God speaks to man is because now they look at the Old Testament and they, you know, Jews and Catholics and Christians and different groups look at the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, and say that was God was giving direction to the to the to the prophets, and uh, he instructed them on what to do in his covenant with Israel. And they look at things like um, God telling uh, the Jews to wipe out all of these uh, pagan nations in the Middle East. Uh, and they look at that and go, okay, wait a minute. So on the one hand, you say that God is loving. On the other hand, you say that God told his people to wipe out this entire nation of people, kill them all, uh, get rid of them, right? So they look at that and say, well, that is obviously hypocrisy. God is not a God of love if he tells people to go and kill and wage war and wipe out entire tribes, right? So some people object to the idea that God speaks to mankind because they observe what God has supposedly said in the past and they don't understand it and don't like it, and they discount that as that obviously wasn't from God. They were maybe hallucinating, maybe they thought they were hearing God's voice, whatever, but they, they weren't hearing God because God is a God of love. If he exists, right, agnostics and atheists would say, if God exists, he would be a God of love, and he would not endorse that kind of behavior. Hey, Ravi Kapoor is on, hey, Ravi. So one of the things I would like to say, I haven't covered this in the book, but it's worth considering. The revelation that God has given to mankind is a progressive revelation. It changes over time. The nature of the revelation changes, and the revelation itself changes, and God speaks to different groups of people about different things at different times for certain purposes. When God was speaking to Abraham, he was trying to recruit someone who would be the father of a nation and a nation that he would speak through and he would show his love and mercy and his kindness through that nation. And he wanted Abraham to be the father of that nation, right? That was God's purpose for speaking with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He was trying to raise up this family where he could demonstrate, hey, Kazuko is on. Good evening, Kazuko. Uh, I hope everything is going okay in Japan with that typhoon. We, we've been watching that. We're praying for you. Just want to let you know, Kazuko, and all your friends in Japan. So God spoke through um, 
Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the patriarchs, because he was trying to raise up this family of people who God could demonstrate his real nature and character through as an opposing narrative or an opposing deity to all the pagan gods of Egypt and all the other ancient civilizations, <clears throat> the, the, the false gods that were worshipped by all the other nations. God, this is chapter 3, Myths and Misconceptions. And this is, I'm going down a little bit of a rabbit trail here, but there's a purpose to it. So God spoke to the prophets, Jeremiah, Daniel, uh, Isaiah, at different times as they were, uh, as their nation was being developed, as their nation was learning obedience to the Lord, whenever the nation of Israel would obey the Lord, they would, ha they would have good kings who were righteous kings who would follow the commandments of God, follow God's heart. They would be blessed in a lot of different ways. God would give them victory over their enemies. He gave them a promised land. He gave them victory when they went into the promised land to wipe out these tribes. Now, one of the tribes that God told them to wipe out was actually a tribe that had been infiltrated by a half-breed of angels and humans called the Nephilim, right? And if you go to Genesis chapter 6 and read after the flood, it says, there were giants on the earth in the days of Noah and in the days after, right? And these giants, that was the half-breed race of Nephilim that Satan kind of uh, corrupted the gene pool of the humans. Well, uh, the... One of the nations that God wanted them to wipe out, the Israelites wanted to wipe out, was the nation that was breeding these, this half-breed race of giants, all right? The Philistines. Why were the Philistines? Why were they huge? 9, 10, 11, 12 feet tall. Because they were a corrupted species. It was half-angelic species, right? God did not want the gene pool to be polluted by this offspring. So he told the nation of Israel, you need to wipe these people out because they've got a corrupted gene pool. Now, some people would say, that's just evil and horrible and wicked, and how could God command his people to wipe out an entire race? Well, that race, that gene pool was polluted, and God needed to destroy the work of the enemy, the work of Satan. So if you don't think about the reasons why God might tell people to go to war and do something, you can just you can falsely assume that God would have evil, wicked, unjust reasons for that. And if you look at the larger context of Scripture and the bigger picture of what's going on uh, in the development of societies and different uh, kingdoms, the Persian kingdom, the Roman kingdom, the, the Greeks, as these cultures are evolving, and as they're developing and as language is developing, God is revealing himself progressively through in a more accurate way. Now, when the Greek culture came, Greeks developed a language that was much more sophisticated than any language prior to that. And uh, Jesus came at the time of the Roman occupation, but after the Greek culture 
had provided a language and the ability to write and pass uh, manuscripts and things in writing through large groups of people to influence the culture. The culture had been prepared for God to speak through his son Jesus at the time that he was born. And God developed a new, he announced and revealed a new covenant through his son. It was a covenant very much unlike the old covenant that he had established with the nation of Israel, right? And God is continually revealing uh, other parts of his plan, his redemptive plan for mankind at various times, right? Writer book of Hebrews, God who spoke at various times through the prophets has in these last days spoken through his son. And that's kind of an allusion to the fact that we are getting at the book of Hebrews, a better covenant. We have a better high priest. We have a better covenant. We have a better relationship with God. God is always improving and upgrading uh, his revelation to us. So important kind of backdrop behind this whole discussion of hearing God's voice. All right. Now, uh, that answers kind of the question, if God speaks to man, why would God say, you know, go and kill certain people? Um, other people, now, Christians, a lot of, uh, hey, Kim, how's it going? A, a lot of uh, Christians believe that we are saved, uh, and however you want to define that word saved, through a relationship with God, through the Holy Spirit, relationship with Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in and dwells. The Spirit of God lives inside of us. Now, that is how uh, Protestants define the relationship with God. The question I would have is, if you don't believe God is speaking to you, how do you have a relationship with God if you're not communicating back and forth? <laughs> right? God has God is a living being. He is a spirit. We are living beings. We have we are a spirit living in a physical body, and we have a soul. And our spirit communicates with other spiritual beings, with demons and angels and God. And a lot of times we don't know this. A lot of a lot of people are unaware that they are communicating with other kinds of spirits. Um, and and we'll get into that in, in later chapters about how that works. But many people, I would say most people, are having communications with spirits quite often, and they're not aware of it. Because their mind, their soul, is focused on the physical world, not on the spiritual world. So we have a relationship with God, and that relationship is through the Spirit of God. And he talks to us. He speaks to us in many different ways, through visions, through uh, thought impressions, through dreams, through the circumstances of our life, sometimes through weather, through relationships, through other people, through prophecy, through word of knowledge, word of wisdom. We're going to get into all these things later on. But uh, some people would say that, look, we have the Bible, and we don't need to hear God's voice in the Holy Spirit God has spoken through the Bible, and that's all we need. Well, God has definitely spoken through the Bible. Uh, I am a Bible-believing Christian. 
I read the Bible, I study the Bible, the Bible has helped me a lot. However, the Bible doesn't have specific instruction about my business. <laughs> but God speaks to me through dreams about my business quite often, about my ministry, about Q, about the president. I have dreams about the president all the time, where God is giving me specific things to pray about. Um, I've had a number of dreams where God showed me that there were moles and traitors in the White House. And in those dreams, God was showing me that we need to pray that those traitors and moles in the White House would be exposed. Well, you're, you're not going to find that in the Bible. I mean, you could find allusions to that in Old Testament. But God will give you very specific information about specific things he wants you to be aware of, he wants you to address, he wants you to pray into, through things like dreams and visions and, and prophetic words. Yeah, Paul Gonzalez, um, most people hear, hear the voice of God through their thoughts. Um, that's, that's how most of us hear God's voice. A lot of people are hearing God's voice in their thoughts and they don't know it. And I'm going to teach you how to discern the difference between God's thoughts and your thoughts. That'll be in a, in a future broadcast. I don't have time to do that right now. So yes, the Bible is the word of God, but a, and a lot of people are concerned that if we hear God's voice, that we will ignore the Bible. Oh, I, I have God's voice. I have dreams. I have visions. I have prophetic words. I don't need to worry about the, the Bible anymore. Well, if that's your take, then that's your take. That's on you. There's no reason why you have to ignore the Bible just because you're able to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit for you personally or for other people. Um, it's not a it, it, that's a false dichotomy it's not one or the other we can have both uh i am very interested in the many different ways in which god speaks i don't focus in on one way i want to know all of them i i, I study the scriptures but i also pay attention to my dreams i write them down and i pray about them and i'm always interested in what god wants to show me through visions um, when I go to church services and there's worship going on and I sense angelic presence, I want to know what the angels are doing and what they're saying. If, I get, if I'm at a healing meeting, uh, Brian Whitmore Parks, uh, I like reading the letters my wife has written to me, but if it was the only way she chose to speak to me, it wouldn't be much of a relationship. That is correct, Brian. The Bible is a letter from God to us, but... If you were married to somebody and all you ever did was read their letters and never got to talk to them, meet them, go out to dinner with them, you know, go on dates and, and uh, hold their hand and hang out with them, it wouldn't be much of a relationship, right? So it is, it, don't be taken by this view that if you start listening to the voice of God, you're going to be drawn away from the Bible. You don't have to be. There's no reason why you have to ignore the scriptures if you're going to be listening to the, the voice of God. The, the voice of God, the, the rhema, word of God, versus the logos. Uh, a lot of people refer to the Bible as the logos, word of God, and the, and the voice of the Spirit as the rhema, word of God, written versus the spoken voice. There's no reason, and, and in fact, um, what the rhema word of God, what the voice of God is going to tell you is going to be, be confirmed by the Bible, or it will confirm what you're, you're reading in your, in your Bible studies, if you study the Bible, if you read the Bible. 
Um, it's confirmation. And whenever I'm looking for information, whether it's news about current events, I always like to get confirmation from two or three different sources. I'm reluctant to believe a kind of a strange news story unless I can get confirmation. People send me messages all the time, uh, private messages about videos that they've watched, articles that they've read, things, rumors that they've heard from people, and uh, about news and current events. And I always look, is there anything from the mainstream news that is reporting on this? Is there any reliable uh, journalism that is supporting this idea? If there's not, then I usually don't share it, don't spread it, and I'm reluctant to believe it because it's good to, I like to have confirmation from multiple sources and reliable sources before I go and spread something, and before I believe something, right? Well, the voice of God is the same way. If you're reading the scriptures and you read something and you get, you kind of get struck by that passage as like, wow, that's kind of talking about what I'm going through right now. And then God gives you a dream that night that has to do with a situation in your life that is related to what you read in the Bible. And then you go to church the next day and somebody gives you a prophetic word about that very subject. You have the Bible, you have a dream, and you have a prophetic word from somebody all confirming what God said. It is really good to get confirmation about what you believe God is saying, and he can confirm his word in many different ways. All right. Uh, all right moving along, <laughs> that is the rhema. Um, some people believe that God speaks through leaders, but not, he didn't speak to us personally. When I first became a Christian almost 20 years ago, I spent seven years reading the Bible, listening to Bible teachers, podcasts, audio, Christian radio, 24-7. I'd, I'd go to sleep with a little earbud in my ear listening to some Bible teacher. And I listened to thousands of hours of Bible teachers, good people who were grounded in, in, in Bible teaching some a uh, little bit taught about Bible prophecy. Um, and I, my worldview and my view of God and my view of myself and my view of the end times and everything else in, in my perception was largely formed by what these Bible teachers told me. And a lot of us today have a view of the end times, have a view of uh, Trump or politics, current events, the church, based largely on what other people have told us. Now, I get, I get messages from people all the time who say, I've read the Bible and I know what the Bible says about the last days and we're going to be deceived and they're going to, aliens are going to come down and they're going to trick everybody. And I'm like, you know, the Bible doesn't actually say that. The Bible <laughs> doesn't say that, although a lot of Bible teachers teach that. Uh, if you if you read the books, the prophetic books of the Bible, like books like Daniel and the, uh, the, the you know First John, Second John, uh, Revelation, if you just read the book of Revelation through with no commentary, no podcasts, no audio, no videos, no teaching from anybody, just read the book of Revelation all the way through. I guarantee you, and you just 
try to figure out what the future is going to look like based on reading the, the book of Revelation with no outside influence, you are not going to come to a, an understanding of the future that sounds like anything anyone today is writing about. You're not. Every view of the future that people have today in, the, in, in mainstream Christianity is based on uh, certain views that were adopted by certain people and made popular while embracing some scriptures and ignoring others. And there are many, many different views of the future based on the Bible. All of them are in conflict, and I don't know that any of them are right. Uh, everyone seems to have their view of what's going to happen in the future. I, I tell people who are concerned and worried about the last days, deception, and the end times, and the mark of the beast and the Antichrist is coming, and he's probably already here, and we're all going to be, you know, it's all this big plot, and the new world order is going to take over, right? And people have been, people have been uh, taught to believe that that system is in place for the last 25, 30 years, probably, probably longer. <clears throat> uh, Premillennial dispensationalism has been popular for the last 100 years, and it's become more popular in the last 30 years. The issue I have with that is people who have been teaching that narrative of the future assumed the New World Order was going to take over, and evil, corrupt people were going to eventually ensnare the entire world in a system of darkness and deception. Those people did not know Donald Trump was going to be elected. And they did not know Donald Trump was going to destroy the New World Order. And Trump is going to destroy the New World Order. He is ripping it out by the roots. He is uh, bankrupting the corrupt banksters at the top of the pyramid. Uh, whether you want to call them the Illuminati or whatever, he, Trump is destroying everything that has to do with the new world order. Now, here's, here's the question. If Trump successfully eradicates the new world order, what does that tell you about your view of the future? I've been telling people, you might want to go back to the Bible and start looking through the book of Daniel again and the book of Revelation again with fresh eyes and see what you can come up with for a view of the future, given the fact that it's likely Trump is going to destroy the new world order. Just saying. I think we have a good 20, 25 years of relative world peace coming thanks to the election of Donald Trump. Anyway, rabbit trail. I'll get back to my main topic here. <laughs> so I learned from Bible teachers, but there came a time after it was around 2007, 2008, God asked me to stop listening to the videos and the podcasts and the Bible teachers and to sit under him personally as my instructor. And so I did. I started listening to what God was saying. He started giving me dreams. I was having visions all the time. I was hearing angelic voices in the middle of the night talking. And there's all this revelation coming at me. It's, it's from God. Uh, not from Bible teachers, not from podcasts. It was all from God. He was 
changing my view, changing my understanding, changing my mind, changing my under, view of the future. My, he changed the way I saw myself. He changed my identity. As his child, I had a much better understanding of how beloved I am, how much he loves me and how much he cares for me and, and the plans, the personal plans he had for me as a, as a writer and as things progressed. And I'm, what I want to say is, um, it's, I'm not saying that you should not have a pastor or not have people that you listen to uh, who can teach you, especially if you're um, new to the faith. But I would say this, be sure, be careful to listen to the voice of God for you personally. Uh, try to understand what God is saying to you as an individual, whether it's dreams or visions or the still small voice or you know, thought impressions or prophetic words, however you prefer to get your revelation from God. Be sure that you're getting some revelation directly from God in addition to listening to Bible teachers and, and reading the scriptures and all of that, put it all together. Uh, have a well-rounded um, uh, diet of revelation from God. Get it from many sources because there are many. All right. Another myth and misconception. And this is a little bit controversial, but a lot of people say that when God, when the rhema voice of God and the Holy Spirit speaks to you, he'll never contradict the scriptures. Okay? Is that true or not? Well, we've been taught that. <clears throat> However, the scriptures themselves <laughs> say otherwise. Now, let me give you an example. When the apostle Peter uh, fell into a trance one day, as he was on the rooftop praying, the Holy Spirit <clears throat> said to Peter, showed him a vision of unclean animals and said, Peter, get up, kill, and eat them. Right? This is uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 12. Well, <clears throat> Peter had been taught, because Peter knew the scriptures, and in Leviticus chapter 11, it says there's God gives instruction to the nation <clears throat> about which animals they could eat and which ones they could not, which animals were clean and which were unclean. And Peter said, No, Lord, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. This is Acts chapter 10, verse 14, New Living Translation. Peter, Peter's position was this. If God's going to speak to me about something, he is not going to contradict something that he has already told us in the scriptures a long time ago. God does not contradict the scriptures, right? The voice of God, right? Peter was kind of saying, no, Lord, that's, that's not you. You wouldn't tell me to eat these unclean animals. So the Lord showed him the vision three times and said, Peter, do not call unclean that which I have called clean. Right, so now Peter has a little bit of uh, cognitive dissonance here because he knows what the what the Old Testament scriptures say, but he got the voice of God is clearly showing him something new, something different, and something that contradicts what they've already been told. Right, what do you do? <clears throat> so Peter, as he's pondering this, 
three men come to the door, knock on the door. The Holy Spirit says, Peter, go down, answer the door. Go with those men and don't question anything. Just follow them. So Peter, uh, they stay at his house that night. The next day he, he goes with them. And <clears throat> Peter is taken to the house of Cornelius. And he goes in and Cornelius is a Gentile. And the Jewish tradition was they're not supposed to enter the house of a Gentile. But Peter says, you know it's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile's home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. Now, Peter took the revelation that God gave him about the unclean animals and knew that God wasn't speaking about the animals. He was speaking about people. <clears throat> the Jews considered Gentiles to be unclean and not worthy of God's favor. God showed Peter, <clears throat> no, now the, the good news is for everybody, Jew and Gentile alike. So Peter testified to the miracles that God had done. He testified of Jesus. The entire house got saved and they got baptized in the Holy Spirit because God was showing Peter new covenant, new rules, new revelation. Forget what I said a thousand years ago. We're, we're changing the plan here a little bit, all right? And all of that is to illustrate the point that uh, sometimes God won't necessarily contradict what he said in the scriptures, but he will update uh, or give you a new revelation, a new understanding of his heart, his mercy, his love for people. And that's the, that's the thing. Look, God is a God of light, life, and love. And if God tells you something and it is inconsistent with the light of God, the love of God, and if it is uh, inconsistent with his heart, then you, you're free to ignore it. <laughs> God doesn't contradict his nature. His nature is love. God is love. He is light, and he is the giver of life. So if it is going to produce, and that's the way you can measure the fruit of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> if some revelation produces love, if it uh, gives life, it is from God. It can't be any. Other, it can't come from any other source. He is the source of love. He's the source of light, and even though. Satan can present himself as an angel of light. The fruit, if you are listening to the voice of demons, fallen angels, it's going to produce fruit of darkness. If you're listening to the voice of God, it's going to produce light, life, and love. All right. Uh, let's see. Moving along. All right. Another myth and misconception. It is too easy to be deceived by voices that are not God's. Boy, isn't that true? All right. So that's an objection <clears throat> that a lot of people have. Because, you know, you don't have to be too uh, savvy to understand that there are demons that are speaking to people. Uh, and having worked on the ambulance for 35 years and having transported my share of demonically possessed people, I can tell you, there's a lot of people who swear they're hearing the voice of God, and they are absolutely hearing demons. <laughs> uh, and, and that gets to be a, a little bit of fun. Although, 
people who are like severely demonically possessed, ranting and raving about angels and demons and hell and judgment. And, you know, then the, you have the mass shooters who go and kill people and say, oh, God told me to kill all these people. Well, like I just said, if some person says, I'm hearing God is telling me this, and it does not produce light, life, and love, it's not God. It is some other voice. <clears throat> the, the voice of God, the instruction of God, is always going to produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22. Uh, <clears throat> Keith, sorry, late to the party. It's okay, man. You're all right. And what is the fruit of the Spirit? Kindness, gentleness, meekness, self-control, humility, right? If you are listening to the life, to the, to the voice of God, it should be producing in your life kindness, meekness, gentleness, self-control, a loving attitude toward others, compassion, mercy. Against these things, there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit is going to be born when you're hearing the voice of the Spirit. If you're hearing the voice of the Spirit, that's what you're going to produce. If you're hearing another voice, <clears throat> your, what you're doing is going to produce contention, striving, argument, division, uh, mistrust, sin, darkness of all kinds. So if you're concerned that following the voice of God is going to lead you into darkness, you just examine the fruit. And we are to be fruit inspectors. We are supposed to examine the fruit. If someone says that they're hearing from God and they're teaching what God told them, and it does not produce the fruit of the Spirit, it's probably not the voice of God that they're hearing. Uh, it's and it's you know uh, do it for a little while and, and you'll pretty quickly catch on when someone says oh I heard the voice of God and he told me to go and you know do this and the other thing and it just turns into catastrophe and it causes division and it creates hardship and it creates um, <clears throat> it, it just destroys people's lives it destroys their faith um, probably not of God. Fruit of the Spirit is, is just a really good way to evaluate whether someone is actually hearing from God or whether you are, you are hearing from God or not. All right. And the last thing I want to discuss <clears throat> is that hearing the voice of God is risky. It, it is risky. Um, you are free not to seek, not to listen to the voice of God if you don't want to. You can just decide, you know what, I'm just going to read the Bible. I'm good with that. I don't need to risk possibly hearing demonic voices or the voices of fallen angels or other deceiving spirits. I'm just going to listen to the read the Bible and that's it. That's fine. You can do that. Uh, endeavoring to hear the voice of God is risky. You can't avoid the risk. I had a message from a guy the other day who said, what do you do when you think you heard the voice of God and it always turns out like what you thought was going to happen doesn't happen and you get disappointed? Well, I asked this guy, when did you like start hearing the voice of God? And he said, yeah, just a few weeks ago. He thought he heard God say some, that he was going to be in a relationship with this woman 
And for some reason, young men are always thinking that God's going to tell them this is the woman you're going to marry. And the woman has no interest in them, moves out of the country, <laughs> goes like overseas, and the guy's like, but, but, but God told me we're going to get married. Uh, I would suggest if you're new to hearing God's voice, don't worry about God telling you who you're going to marry. That is a way down the road thing. And it's really easy to confuse your own desires with what you think God is telling you. But this guy had several situations like that where he thought God had told him about a woman who he was going to date and marry and repeatedly got the woman left moved out of state, had no interest in him. And the guy's like, well, I, I could swear God was telling me about this. Well, you know what? Go back to the drawing board. <laughs> Start asking about uh, who does God want you to heal? Who does God want you to pray for? Uh, go look at things that are actually in the scriptures in the New Testament where God, where Jesus gave his commission to disciples. Go out, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, uh, cleanse the lepers and proclaim the kingdom. If you focus your hearing God's voice on those things, healing, deliverance, uh, see if you can get words of knowledge for healing and words of wisdom about how to minister to other people. That is a really good testing ground for learning to hear God's voice. Um, waiting for God to tell you who you're going to marry is probably not the best launch pad for a successful ministry in hearing God's voice. Just going to say that. Stay away from the, the you know, who is God going to have me marry? And go to, try to develop your ability to hear words of knowledge, words of wisdom, seeing visions, um, asking the Lord, you know, hey, should I pray for this person? And what specifically should I pray for them for? Those things you'll get instant confirmation on. If, if you are in, in a grocery store, and this is how I developed um, – my ability to get words of knowledge. I'd be at a grocery store and I'd be looking at somebody and they have a, a sling on their arm and their arm is obviously injured. I'd close my eyes and I would see in my mind uh, you know, tendonitis or fracture or I would see like an x-ray of broken bone here or I'd hear, you know, uh, torn rotator cuff or something of that nature. I'd either hear it in my mind as a thought or I'd see a vision. And so I'd walk up to the person and say, you know, um, do you have, by any chance have a torn rotator cuff? And the person would be like, uh, yeah, how did you know that? Well, God told me. And he wants you to be healed. So I'd lay my hand on him and heal him. That is a really good way to learn to hear God's voice. Uh, you know, you see people with problems or you see someone maybe who's depressed and sad. And you go up to them and be friendly, nice to them. Say, hey, can I pray for you? And maybe you hear a thought, say, emotional trauma. You say, hey, are you struggling with like some kind of emotional trauma? And they say, yeah, you know, I've been plagued with emotional trauma and it's driving me crazy. Boom, door is open. You heard God correctly and now the door is open for you to walk them through a simple process of emotional healing, which is not hard to do. You can do it in five minutes. I used to do it at coffee stores and restaurants all the time, five or 10 minutes. That is, if you're trying to learn to hear God's voice, that is a really good way. The healing ministry is great. 
God will give you words of knowledge. He'll speak to you about specific things. He'll, you know, he might show you that person when they're four years old and how they were being abused by their a parent or someone. And then you're getting more revelation about specific issues that they need to deal with, you know, emotional healing. So if you're interested in learning to hear God's voice more, more accurately, I would go in that direction. And I wouldn't be looking for, you know, winning lottery numbers or who's going to win the football game this afternoon or who am I going to marry. Those are things that are not, <laughs> not saying God can't give you winning lottery numbers, but he is much more likely to give you uh, a word of knowledge to heal somebody than he is to give you a winning lottery number. Just saying. All right. Uh, let me see if we have any questions here I can answer. Is that a paintment, painting of Cartman in the background? No. That is a little abstract painting that Denise did in the background. And... God did not tell me that the Badgers are going to beat Michigan State today, but I hope they do. <laughs> yes, God is persistent. And if you quiet your mind, you will hear what he has to say. Good point. It, a lot of it, I do have audiobooks. I've got an audiobook on healing and an audiobook on singing the Spirit. You can go to uh, Amazon or Audible and you can get those audiobooks. And I'm working on uh, more audiobooks. Yes, learning to hear God's voice. How do you resolve emotional trauma? I wrote a little book called Emotional Healing in Three Easy Steps. You can get it on Amazon. If you don't have any money, just message me and I'll send you a free copy of it. Uh, it's not expensive. It's like 99 cents on Kindle. And it's a very simple, easy process. Uh, I have written a lot of blog posts and done some videos and podcasts on it. You can go to... My podcast on Podbean, you can go to my YouTube channel and check out my videos and podcasts on emotional healing. It's it's a simple process. Uh, you can go back on my Periscope here and go back and probably find some of my old broadcasts on emotional healing. Somebody's asking, who are your mentors? <clears throat> who are my mentors? I'm thinking about some of the people in Washington State. Uh, Dan? The, oh, that, yeah. Dan and Lorraine. We're and, quite... Um, Melody Pash. Dave McLean. Uh, I have a lot of different mentors. Not super famous people. Or like uh, Todd White. Todd White. Bill Johnson. Uh, John Wimber. John Wimber is really good. Good teacher. What's up with Q? We are waiting for Q to come back. Uh, had some interesting dreams about Q a couple of nights ago. And we're waiting for 8chan to come back online. Looks like 8chan is going to come back as 8kun. Uh, oh, thanks, Julie. Julie just posted uh, the link to my website on, on the Facebook chat. Uh, you live in Washington State. Is someone appropriate there? A lot of good churches and ministries in Washington State. We lived in the Olympia area, and Gateway Church is pretty good. Uh, I think they're in Lacey. Uh there's some pretty good churches in, in the Puget Sound area. Uh, emotional healing sometimes does involve deliverance. What I have experienced is um, I think it's much more efficient to do emotional healing first. You heal the trauma. 
Sometimes the demons will leave just by doing emotional healing. If they don't, you kick them out after the emotional healing. Uh, it's a lot easier to do after emotional trauma is gone because that's the open door that allows them to hang out. And Julie just po posted a link to my podcast uh, in the Facebook chat. Thanks, Julie. Appreciate that. Uh, what do I think is going on in California with the power outages? Q has already alluded to that, that it seems likely the state of California is trying to get federal money. So they create a situation that causes a crisis, and then they go to Trump and try to get money uh, to bail them out. It's, it's sad that leaders would do stuff like that, but they do stuff like that. And we're hoping that once 8chan comes back online as 8kun, uh, I did want to say that Code Monkey, <clears throat> who is a, he's kind of a tech support guy for 8chan, and 8chan themselves have been signaling that 8chan is about to go back online. 8chan actually asked board owners to contact them so they can set up the boards on the new website. <clears throat> so, and I don't, I don't know when that's going to happen. Soon, I know we're all getting tired of waiting. Uh, it's been two and a half months, <laughs> but they're working on it. Hopefully, they'll have a nice uh, bomb-proof system when they come back online. What has Q been doing all this time? I don't know. I don't get to talk to Q, but I can imagine there's going to be a flood of information when Q comes back. I, uh, I pay pretty close attention to Trump's um, Twitter feed when Q is not posting. Trump is uh, the leader. Follow the leader. Trump's Twitter, Trump is Q for now. And Julie just posted a link to my Amazon page. Thanks, Julie, appreciate that. All right, I'm gonna get going. Uh, we've been on here just about an hour and I'm starting to lose my voice, as you can probably tell. Love you all, take care. Denise and I are working on the Q books. Uh, the first book is going well. We are editing and fitting it into the uh, into the platform, into the InDesign template. Uh, it's been an interesting process. We had to buy a bunch of fonts <laughs> to get, to create different fonts for Q's posts and the narrative posts and stuff. And we are going through it with a fine tooth comb to make sure that we have everything buttoned down exactly the way we want it. Uh, and I'm working on the second book as well. Uh, I've actually got five volumes of the first Q series that I'm working on simultaneously. It's going through old Q posts and putting them in folders and creating documents for future books. <clears throat> it's going to be a long series of books. Um, I'm not going to cover all of Q's posts. I'm going to cover the main themes, and there's a lot of them. 
And right now I'm working on Godfather 3, which is... I have this I have this tab open, just to give you some idea. I have this tab open right now on my computer. It has 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. It has 23 articles open from the Financial Times. Uh, I actually created um, an account. I purchased an account with, on the Financial Times because they <clears throat> have done a lot of really good research into the Vatican and the funding of the Vatican, the banking scandal with the Vatican, and <clears throat> how it's connected to the Italian mafia. And the, sig the Q signature, uh, Godfather Three, has a lot to do with the Italian mafia and the Vatican and the, some banking stuff that's going on. I've already read about 30 articles over the last few days on all of that, and I've got about another 25 or 30 to read <laughs> for one chapter in this book, Godfather 3. There, it's, the rabbit hole is deep on that signature, and I've just started my research. So it's going slow, but we're getting there. Um, what do I think of Serial Brain? I do not follow Serial Brain. Uh, I, don't, I, I really don't have time. I'm doing so much of my own research that I really don't have time to, to look into the research other people are doing much. I mean, I do a little bit on Twitter. Um, I'll look at some people's threads. Paul Saran, I do look at his threads. And um, uh, Sharp Edge on Twitter is a really good researcher. Uh, I'm, I'm, Serial Brain just, is just not, not my cup of tea. I know some people love Serial Brain, but you know, uh, just not my thing. I'm not into Gematria. It doesn't interest me. Uh, I know people. some people are fascinated by it, and that's fine. It's just not my thing. Uh, yes, our moderator is doing good today. All right, uh, I'm going to get going. Love you all. Take care, and I will catch you on the next broadcast.